0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this
0: smell good? Wolfen, down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolfen Luke. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination.
2: It is noon on a Monday. It is time for Wolf
3: and Down Your Lunch. Rick is here. Rick, what's up? What's up, guys? The Phoenix Suns won 125-105 against the Sixers on Saturday. The Suns bench did really well with T.J. Warren dropping 16 points, Terrence Ross scoring 15,
4: and Cam Payne dropping 14. Here's Monty Williams. Our bench production, I think that's 53 to... They had 17. You know, that's that's huge on a back-to-back emotional loss last night. And our guys just, we had to dig deep. You know, you could see both teams were tired.
3: Did Saturday's game renew your faith in the Suns' depth?
2: Um, I don't know that I would go that far, but it made me feel a little bit better about it. I mean, that, that was kind of the game we were waiting to see.
1: Yeah, you know, one game does not make a season, of course, as we all know right now. Do it again. Why not? Um, One game is an anomaly. Um, Two, maybe you're stepping in the right direction. I'd love to see them put together three games, three strong games, before you'd even start considering whether or not this is permanent.
2: It was encouraging, though. I I mean, if, if Terrence Ross keeps playing like this, I know he's not like a defensive wizard, but if he's going to put up 30 points and then follow
3: it up with another 15 the next night, you're not going to be able to just keep him out of the lineup in the playoffs. All right, the final four is set in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Nine-seed Florida Atlantic will play five-seed San Diego State, and five-seed Miami will play four-seed UConn. Is this the most shocking final four of all time? (laughs) Uh, It's got to be up there. You know, I, I know you were Man. saying Wolf earlier that
2: the 2011 Final Four had had a higher combination of seeds. Like if you add up all the seeds, what yes. is it this year?
1: It's it's a four. It's twenty three, as a matter of fact. If you count the seedings, yeah, add them all together: a nine, a five, a five, and a four. That's your Final Four seeding right there. That uh, that comes out to what? Twenty three. Yeah, and you said 2011 was twenty six. Twenty six. But I- you had eleventh. 11th- 11th seed VCU and eight seed Butler. And then you had four seed Kentucky and three seed UConn. I
2: still think this one is... I, I think this one's at least more unpredictable than that one because that one, I'm sure people put UConn and Butler and Kentucky in there because Butler had just been to the national championship the year before and people always pick UConn and Kentucky. So it was really... That was shocking. But VCU was the true shocker. This one, it's like... <sighs> Even if I got to repick my bracket right now, knowing who wins, I think I'd still get some of these wrong.
1: What's so <laughs> mind-numbing to me? I, I do believe this. Just is... placed
2: right over there. No, no.
1: <laughs> I, I no. I just wanted to say quickly okay. before you cut me off. Mm. Oh, I see. It's the fact you don't have a one, two, or three seed in the final four. First time ever. That that makes this the most unpredictable by far and away. Yeah, and sticking with the Final Four,
3: our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com. And it asks, with the Final Four set, who do you have winning the national championship? Miami, Connecticut, FAU, or San Diego State? Yeah, I mean, this one,
2: at least on the surface, seems pretty easy to me. I'll I'll take UConn.
3: I got to go with UConn as
1: well. It seems pretty obvious
3: right now. The fighting Danny Hurleys, I will pick UConn. But All right, guessing you can, that's pretty high. Yeah, fifty-five percent of the vote is Whoa. UConn, nineteen percent San Diego State, fourteen percent Florida Atlantic, twelve percent Miami. So wow. I would have thought
2: like eighty percent really for UConn. Yeah. I
3: mean there's four choices, so it's still dominating the rest of
1: the choices. I guess I would have to go at least seventy percent. Okay, I mean I, <laughs> that's I, not the question though. I, is I, it? I feel
2: very confident, and I look at the bracket, and I'm like, why would I believe anything? Is is yeah, a given a good this good year. Point.
3: MLB.com's Steve Gilbert reported that the Arizona Diamondbacks will go with Ryan Nelson over Dre Jamison for the fifth spot in the rotation. Nelson was one and two with a seven five three ERA and five appearances in the spring. Jamison, who will go to the bullpen, went two and one with a seven seven one ERA and five appearances as well in the spring. D-backs rotation is now Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Madison Bumgarner, Zach Davies, and Ryan Nelson. What do you guys think of the team going with Nelson over Jameson? And do they have enough pitching to
1: contend for a playoff spot? Wow. Um, Do they have enough? That's the question. It remains to be seen what is going on right now, even from Mad Bum. They're number three. They need to find out what they've got from him. This is going to be, for the number 5 Stargler base, this is going to be an ongoing fight throughout the season. I, there's just no other way to cut it. This is not over. The proof will be in the pitching and how they go out and actually perform. But, yeah, this is the way you're going to start right now. I don't think they have enough pitching right now to tell you the truth. No.
2: Yeah, I think that that's, that's obviously their, their weakness and their biggest question mark. Um And I I wonder if we're going to see Brandon Fott up there at some point this season. If he, you know, he might be, in terms of prospects they have, even a bigger deal right now than Jordan Lawler, as far as this team having a chance to get reinforcements from the minors this season that would help them make the playoffs just because of the position he plays and the fact that everybody seems to think he has front end of the rotation stuff. Uh, But if you told me the D-backs didn't make the playoffs this year, and I know that that's the, the heavy favorite is that they won't, the pitching would be the concern.
3: All right, and one more for you guys. Lamar Jackson tweeted out today that he requested a trade from the Ravens on March second. He said the Ravens have not been interested in meeting his value. Here's John Harbaugh. I do. You know you gotta you gotta plan for all the contingencies for sure. But uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty fired up about Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a great player. Lamar. Uh, came back in great shape last year. He's fired up the play. Uh, That's the Lamar that I'm looking looking forward to seeing. Can't wait to get back on the grass and go to work, and I'm confident that's going to happen. John Harbaugh seemed pretty confident there that Lamar's going to come back for the Ravens. Do you guys think Lamar will ever play another down of football for the Baltimore Ravens again? Yes, I do believe he will
1: play for the Baltimore Ravens.
2: I'm not going to sit here and scream into the mic and be like, oh, that's impossible and preposterous. It, not that, but I don't think he will. Uh, I, I just think, I think at some point another team is going to say he's a better option than some of the stuff we're looking at. And I don't know for sure. I, I wonder if the Ravens don't hate that just because of the tag they put on him that allows another team to swoop in and take him.
1: But think about it right now. Wouldn't that already have happened to some degree? Wouldn't we be hearing some type of whisper that is out there? All you gotta do is give up two number ones for a guy who won the MVP a couple of seasons ago.
2: Yeah? No, so, but also,
1: what if he sits out next year until he gets
2: traded? I mean, yeah, that's, but
1: but I, I think, once again, nobody's offered that. That's true. And I know why.
2: Can't imagine the guy just not playing next year. It doesn't seem like he wants to play in Baltimore. Uh, either way, that was Wolfen down your lunch. Thank you, Rick. And when we come back, we'll get back into basketball. Is this the week everything changes for the Suns? If it's going to, it would make sense. It would be now. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs>
0: Local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings.
3: Well, it would
0: make a lot of sense
3: if there's
2: going to be a run made by the Phoenix Suns that this is going to be the week everything sort of swings. And they are obviously pushing for that with DeAndre Ayton probable for tonight. Kevin Durant is. Uh, I don't know, what's their official terminology? Is he expected to play Wednesday? That's yeah. That's, he's,
1: well, was it again? A predicted? No, yes. that wasn't it. Uh, that wasn't the terminology. The target
2: return dates. Uh, <laughs> probably, yeah, I think it was. It I, was probable
1: that he was going to return. Okay,
2: so the, the Suns are looking to bring back DeAndre Ayton tonight. They're looking to bring back Kevin Durant on Wednesday. They just finally won a game, which they really hadn't been doing for a while before uh, Saturday. And if you're going to go on a run, you would figure you start winning a couple more games this week. But more importantly, you get those guys back and start to really put your team together. So this could be the week that we may look back on in a month or two months, ideally, Two and a half months, Wolf, and be like, okay, that's that's when we finally got to start to see the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> then the week of March 27th, with eight games left in an 82 game season, we finally got to see the Phoenix Suns.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned eight games left. You're right. Over the last eight games, when you think about it, think about it. The Suns are two and six base I means over the last eight games, and yet somehow, some way, they've held on to the number four seed yep. in the Western Conference. That is. Truly amazing to go two and six over your last eight in the Western Conference, which is so bunched up for the most part, and yet they're still the four seed in the West. That's, listen, I I don't care how optimistic you are, that to me was, if you would have told me they'd have gone two and six, I I would have said to you, there's no way. They're still in the top four you, seats.
2: You figure they're at least at, at number six or something at that point. But it is. It's it's the teams behind them really have not made a push. I was reading off the, the last ten. I'm just saying it doesn't always tell the whole story for every team. Some teams have been a lot better in their last 12 or a lot worse in their last 15 or whatever. But if you're just looking at the last ten, the teams behind the Suns, the Clippers went six and four. Golden State's five and five. Minnesota's five and five. New Orleans, the Lakers, Oklahoma City are all six and four. Dallas is 3-7. and seven.
1: Basically treading water other than Dallas. Pretty
2: much, yeah. All right around 500 except Dallas. And by the way, Dallas going 3-7, and seven, that dropped them all the way to 11th. If the season ended today, they wouldn't even be in the play-in. Wow.
1: Oh. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Lucas Sold. technicals are magically getting rescinded. Sold! Oh, man, would you love that right there? Yeah, I'll take that. I'd I'd love to see that. Oh yeah, oh, that, that would be not hilarious. that would not hurt me at all. I'm pretty sure if t- somehow, some way, Luca Doncic is not in the postseason. I'm sorry, Luca. Thank you for playing though.
2: But year. the real question: if the season ends and Dallas is in 11th place, does the league step in the day after the season and rescind the fact oh, that they were 11th okay. and move him into 10th? No. Okay. Of okay. Course well, they're not. already rescinding technicals today on Luca. That is a little odd, right there, isn't it? Also, there's no way Kyrie's coming back to a team that doesn't even make the play-in tournament. (laughs) There's no way. Good luck trying to bring him back at that point. I still think Dallas will get in. But Oklahoma City, give them credit, just hanging around, just not dropping all the way out of this like everybody thought that they would. Um, this was Monty Williams on Saturday. The game the Suns won. They beat the 76ers. There was a lot of good to come out of that game beyond just the win. There was the bench play. I mean, obviously, Devin Booker, Bismack Bionbo,
4: like we talked about earlier. But Monty wanted to point this out. It was huge, for sure, because, you know, I mean, nobody does it better than Joe. I mean, he can he's big. He's mobile. He can draw contact and finish, and you have to just move on to the next play. You know, we, we didn't get a ton of opportunities at the line tonight, but... We were still in attack mode. That's why Biz had a lot of you know points tonight in the paint. But our guys understand, you know, you're going to run up against hard over the course of the season and in game, and you got to be able to be competitive, be emotional, but get it back to com- competitive where you can make good decisions and play good instinctive basketball and not get too swayed with whatever's happening in the game that you don't like. And I think that's something that we all, players and coaches, have to be better at. Didn't let the officiating get to them too
2: much on Saturday night, according to Monty Williams. And what he was saying there about Joel Embiid at the beginning, only one person in the NBA attempts more free throws per game than Joel Embiid. And that's Giannis. Whoa. Giannis attempts 12.3 a game. And a lot of that is because teams want Giannis to shoot yeah, free throws. Yeah, right. Uh, the opposing teams. Embiid shoots 11.9. Luka shoots 11. I mean, not really. I was, I was
1: just going to say, yeah. Luka Doncic has got to be up there. And right
2: he's now. probably upset if he heard that, that he's not number one. <laughs> right. How many of
1: those are legitimate?
2: <laughs> That's like, what I, I'd like, to know. I should be shooting
1: 28 free throws a
2: game. So what's yes, going on?
1: Of course. You know what I love, though? What Monty just said right there is compete. He was talking about being competitive. And every time you think of being competitive, I think of the defensive end of the floor. I do that's where I think it shows up so much of the time. So much of the time, intensity and effort turns into great defense. And communication, of course. If you listen to a lot of the analysts talk about it, you got to be able to communicate. But just your intensity and your effort on the defensive end of the floor, it shows up right there. And that's really something that showed up against the 76ers. The defense and the intensity and the focus was there. Philly shot 43% from the field. And also another area in which I I like an intensity and think of intensity, I think of turnovers. Just not having a willy-nilly approach, right, to whatever it is you're doing, but also to be focused and locked in.
2: Detail-oriented. Detail-oriented,
1: intense with the ball, purposeful with the ball. I think of those two things, and those two things have really been bothering the Suns over the last 10 games. Defense and turnovers. It was
2: also the second half of a back-to-back. Now, it was for Philadelphia, too. They had just played Golden State, which I was kind of surprised that Embiid played in that game. And there's word today that he's not going to play tonight against Denver. Uh, But he played... But it was, in terms of just being having that attention to detail that you're talking about. It's not always the easiest on the second half of a back-to-back. But Monty Williams talked about the emotional stamina his team brought to that one.
4: I thought the emotional stamina was in a good place. Because when you're playing against Big Joe, he's going to draw contact. And sometimes it's just frustrating when you're playing great defense and a big dude like that's just running into you. I thought we held the rope as far as mental stamina tonight that helped us for sure and um, I thought the game plan discipline was really good Kev came in with a a bit of a plan to try to mix it up on Joe and we had a bit of a different pick and roll uh, coverage on the back side of our defense tonight to try to take away their pocket passes and um, in a few instances it helped us um, especially in the third we got a couple of steals or we forced like tough passes that led to transition opportunities for us so off of a back-to-back th- that was a, a huge effort in my opinion um based on how last night went
1: you know what else too luke is i'm listening to monty talk um we've been talking about it all show what was so encouraging about that saturday night game against the 76ers just the fact they did play such great defense and they didn't turn the ball over. And they shared the ball. 35 assists mm-hmm. in the game. And their bench was so good. But you know what else was good to see? The Suns won the game in the fourth quarter yep. once again. Yep. Right? They looked like the Suns. A lot of that. That's it?
2: Well, you, you said it earlier. And, and now you're kind of giving the details for why. But it, just the... The most blanket statement you can make of that game is the Suns looked like the Suns. You know, it's one game. Yes. That game didn't mean nearly as much to Philadelphia as it probably meant to the Suns, really. I mean, standings wise, it doesn't, it didn't mean nearly as much to Philadelphia, but, um, they just, they looked like the Suns. And when you couple that with the fact that they haven't dropped out of fourth, they looked like themselves in the most recent game. And now they're getting DeAndre Ayton back tonight and Kevin Durant, presumably on Wednesday. That's how quickly things can change.
1: Yes, in the fourth quarter, Basin of that game on Saturday night, it was tied. And the Suns then went on a 26-11 run that gave them a 15-point cushion in that fourth quarter. That was it. That, that was the game. They took the game and seized control of the game in the fourth quarter. And that is what we saw. You talk about the DNA of the Phoenix Suns. That was all last year. Now again, not trying to make too big a deal out of that, but when you put it all together what we saw from the Suns, that's why I'm so encouraged and hopeful for tonight.
2: I just I think it all ties into the you ended a stretch where you were what 1 in 5 in your previous 6 games, 1 in, one in six. 6 in your previous 7 games. Yeah. And you get a win over a good team, second half of a back-to-back. And this week should be the light at the end of the tunnel that you've been waiting for, where you're going to get DeAndre. You're going to get half of your, your, your main four pieces back this week in the next three Starting days. tonight. Uh, this is Chris Paul real quick talking about what it's like having Kevin Durant on the bench.
4: Like any other player, <laughs> it's just talking about the game and stuff. Can you tell that he's itching to, to get back out there? Definitely. So is D.A. You know what I mean, every guy you know, uh, wants the opportunity to play.
2: Well, here we go then.
1: Starting tonight. Starting tonight. Probable that D.A. will play tonight. Can't wait for that. Want to see him rested. Let's go. Ball out.
2: Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Speaking of tonight, we got to get to a, a game day with K-Ray. Kevin Ray is going to join us next to talk Suns Jazz. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Catch it in
5: from the Wolf and Luke brings the bull head, catching bodies on his way to the rack.
0: Suns, game day with K-Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever.
2: Yeah, Wolf and Luke on a Monday afternoon. The Suns played on Friday, played Saturday, played again on Wednesday. Wolf, they also played night. This is crunch time here in the season. Eight games to go. DeAndre Ayton is probable for tonight. But Kevin Ray of Bally Sports is definite for right now. (laughs) Joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. What's going on, K-Ray?
5: Happy Monday, gentlemen. How we doing? Doing
2: pretty good. We're doing okay, Keg. Have you had any technical fouls rescinded over the last few hours, or is that just a Luka thing?
5: (laughs) They're still going through the paperwork on mine. Uh, It wasn't quite as clear, apparently, as Lucas.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Kay, I want to ask you about Saturday night in particular, because the Phoenix Suns look like the Phoenix Suns to me. Was there a specific part of Saturday night's game against the 76ers that you liked the best, other than a win, obviously? Yeah, I
5: I think, um, you know, in one word, Wolf, it would be consistency. Uh, We we saw consistency from the start of the game to the end of the game. And really, you know, if you want to break things down to its core, that has been really the, the, the failure or the missing piece for this team over the last few weeks. You know, we've seen them play great quarters. We've seen them have great halves and see them play three quarters of a game, but, did not see them string together consistently um you know case in point the the 45 point meltdown allowed to sacramento on friday night and so that's what stood out to me is is they got consistent play from the starters consistent play from the bench uh defense was pretty steady as well and much tighter and as a result you know you get a uh, you get a much needed win Okay, you, you mentioned the bench.
2: T.J. Warren was huge against Sacramento, and then followed it up with another, uh, you know, performance against uh, the the Seventy Sixers. And then Terrence Ross was was thirty points against the Kings, plus another fifteen against the Sixers. Uh, when they shortened this bench down for the the playoff rotation, in your mind, is there a way where both of those guys and Landry Shamit would get minutes, or is there just not enough room?
5: I mean, I, I think that there will be moments and opportunities, um, you know, because I, I know oftentimes as as fans, you just, you know, they, they, you want it in black and white. Well, you know, I want to know these guys are going to play. I want to know. And it's just, it's not as simple as that. Um, you know, you look at the situation the other night, uh, Landry, who had played well in his couple of games back runs into early foul trouble, you know, three quick fouls. And so his opportunity for even more minutes was basically undone, you know, by his own doing. It it had nothing to do with with minor decisions. It's like you can't afford to keep him, you know, on the floor with those th- three quick fouls. So, I think that there will be opportunities. And look, the the one thing that that we have said throughout, and we know this uh, as well as anybody, um, it, you know, playoffs are so matchup based. And so much of it will depend on who that first round playoff matchup is uh, and if they're fortunate enough to advance past the first round. So, you know, I don't think that, that anybody can put a stamp and say, OK, you know, these are the guys that he is definitely going with because there are any number of things that could change that equation.
1: So apparently DeAndre Ayton is going to make his return tonight. At least that's what we're all expecting right now. Where do you think he shows up the most for the Suns tonight in this matchup against the Jazz?
5: Well, I, you know, I I, I may be hoping and believing too much, but I'd love for him to show up the way he did the last time they played. 29 points, 29 <laughs> rebounds. I'd be down with that. So. <laughs> That'd be nice. I'm I'm not I'm not sure we can count on that but you know uh look he he was moving around good the other night um, in uh, in pregame before the the team came out going through some shooting drills and stuff so I would expect him to be kind of refreshed energized and this is you know this is not a team that possesses a a big interior so DA has an opportunity, I think, to, you know, to, to put up some very impactful numbers.
2: Talking to Kevin Ray of Valley Sports, K, there was so much talk and just the feeling around the team going into this past weekend that they needed somebody else to step up beyond just Devin Booker and, and certainly Chris Paul as well. And a few guys did, but, man, Bismack in that game on Saturday night with the 17 points, the 13 rebounds, and especially the
5: five blocks, what did that do for that group? Well, look. If if you would have thrown that stat line out there without a name in front of it, instead <laughs> of all the bigs who are going to be on the floor tonight, and let's say you you know you had Joel, you had Busy, you had Jock, um, and you even threw out there you know a couple of their backup big men, uh, I don't think anybody would have guessed. Busy's name and that is no shot at busy especially considering what jock did you know the night before um but it, it, it speaks to A, it speaks to the business like approach and uh, just professional approach that bismack biumbo has continued to display all season long you know we saw him get minutes early in the year and then uh, several dnp's um and then came back spotty play minutes were spotty dnp's But he gets an opportunity now in this recent stretch to play. And it just goes to show, man, you, you, you can't hang your head. As he said, after the game, you just got to put your head down and keep going to work and believe and hope that opportunities will come. And that's exactly what happened. And as it turned out, you know, it was a situation based on kind of the style of play that Philly has, because they do have another big man that the Suns could utilize that and, and go to busy. But the fact that he, Responded the way he did, uh, always happy for Busy because he's he just such a joy to be around.
1: So, Kay, um, over the last 10 games, Devin Booker six times has really exceeded his average of 32, 33 minutes. He's gone into 38 minutes, of course, 44, 46, 41. I, do you worry about Devin Booker's minutes?
5: Well, I, I I was concerned going into the last two games. I, I you know, going into Sacramento, I I was concerned and I was really concerned not just not just the total minutes, but the the totality uh that those minutes would, you know, kind of hit him with because of how much he was carrying the team offensively and, you know, those being in losses. But now it's kind of settled down the last couple of games. And, you know, I played 32 minutes in the game on Saturday night. Uh, not many more than that in the game on, on Friday night. So you, you feel a little bit better about that. Uh, got some rest yesterday. Uh, the team ended up canceling the shoot-around this morning because it was basically a whiteout here in Salt Lake City. You couldn't even see outside the window. So, wow. <laughs> um so, hopefully, a little extra rest. But, um, look, he, you know, and, and I, and I think I may have said this last week, but Monty just talked about just books mentality. And, you know, he's a hunter. You'll appreciate this, Wolf. He's a hunter and
1: he likes to eat. So,
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> you know, when the ball goes up, it's time to hunt.
1: <laughs> or he's at the grocery store. <laughs> Stags <laughs> or
2: nachos. Oh, <laughs> you're hunting for nachos. Uh, Kevin Ray of Valley Sports joining us. Okay, we've been talking a lot on the show today about how this week sort of feels like a turning point for the Suns. If they really are going to go on a run, it's you know it's not just that they won over the weekend, but you got Da coming back tonight. You've got a big game against Minnesota on Wednesday, and Kevin Durant is, is supposed to come back in that one too. Is that sort of the sense you're getting too of like here we go ramping up with eight games left? This is this is it.
5: Yeah, I think so. And and you know, there was there was clearly a level of frustration last week. That's the Sacramento game in particular, you know, that that's a game they know they should have won. They they know they you know, they they were their own worst enemy in that third quarter and they then they couldn't overcome it in the fourth quarter. Um And I thought you know it said a lot about and I said to you know on the telecast with with e j you know tonight 's game because uh, Philly had played the night before and lost. Uh similar to to Phoenix's outcome, you know, they allowed a huge fourth quarter to the Warriors. So they blew a game. So in a back-to-back situation like that, two playoff teams, you know, trying to kind of sharpen the blade a little bit at this point of the season. And I kind of felt like it was a test of the team whose, whose will and grit was, you know, was going to be the strongest. And, yes, the Suns were on the home floor, so that always helps a little bit. But I do think there was a collective like, whew, okay, we 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 did what we had to do. I mean, like I think felt like they felt like they had to do it. And now, as you mentioned, you get those reinforcements back, and I think there is a sense of like, okay, it's it's time to bring the nose up on this plane and uh, and let's elevate.
1: Two and six over the last eight games, and yet they still hold on to the four seed. We'll take that all day long. <laughs> okay, oh, Kay. absolutely, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Appreciate Kay. you.
2: Hi, right, boys. Have a good one. You too. That's uh, Kevin Ray of Bally Sports checking in as he does every weekday game day for a game day with K-Ray. Grammy Award-winning artist Muse are heading to Desert Diamond Arena this coming Sunday, and we're giving you your shot to win some tickets. Just head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. We come back. Just how mad of a weekend was it in college basketball? How about historically, Matt? Do you like your final four wide open? Because it is now. We'll get into it next. Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
2: Kind of a crazy weekend for college basketball. Usually it evens out, doesn't it? You have like the first weekend of the tournament this year where you had a 16 taken out of one. And I don't know if people remember this, but Princeton took out U of A. And there's just a few upsets. The first, Usually... In the second weekend, Wolf, it evens out and and it's okay. Even after all the craziness, there's yeah. still three number ones and a number two or something in the final four.
1: Not the case this time. No, this has been insane. It really has. The madness is here in March. Um, one of the most unpredictable and improbable NCAA tournaments I think we've ever seen. When you've got no four, no, no number one seed. Um, that made the Elite Eight. Think about that. That's the man. first
2: time it's ever happened.
1: Oh my goodness, you gotta be kidding me. No number one seed making the Elite Eight right there. No one, two, or three seed making it into the final four. This is historic stuff that we're seeing right now, and that makes it one of the craziest of all time. Do you.
2: Like, how do you look at this? Do you look at this as a good thing? I'm, I'm sure that the, uh, you know, the NCAA or the, you know, the people at the TV deal are probably like, really, there's not, there's not any high C's? There's no blue bloods in here? Like- well,
1: first of all, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, the, the they're networks, definitely upset. they want the yes. blue bloods Yeah, because the blue bloods, they increase ratings and that increases revenue.
2: That, that brings up a real question, though. Is it the blue bloods that they want or is it? The top seeds because the blue bloods weren't really top seeds this year. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, would they rather have Duke, who was a five, or would they rather have Alabama, who was a one?
1: I think they'd be fine with Duke. Yeah, I think they prefer fine. Duke. Honestly, I think they'd be fine with Duke. I think they'd be fine with Alabama. To your point about the seed, Um what they don't want is what we've got. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's this is going to be. Uh, this is just a prediction. Be the from motto your, for our show. Ron, right here. But based on audience, I think this is going to be one of the lowest-rated Final Fours in the history of the Final Four. We'll see. Again, I'm going to watch it. Are you I'm, kidding me? Yeah, I, mean, I love this. It's
2: been craziness. This is this is fantastic. This is what it's all about. I was I was talking to our program director before the show, though. His big March Madness guy, right? And what I kind of came to the realization of is, I think if you're if you're the the, the networks. You would you're fine with like an FAU whoever. Let's say FAU and let's just go with what it is. FAU San Diego State. Sure. Okay, you're fine with that on one end, but then yeah, you'd like to have like Duke North Carolina on the other side.
1: You know, some of the people that I've talked to that are in the television industry basonians and I've got many friends that are on um, this face has precluded me from actually joining them. <laughs> That started as a brag and it did not go down that path. (laughs) Let me just say right now, just from talking to them, they're like, you know, the, the end, the powers that be, they would love to see, um, Two or three teams get into the Sweet 16. That all oh, the Cinderella, yeah, they love that. The Cinderella is alive and well. Just don't make it to the Elite Eight, please. <laughs> Your time is done, right? Uh, you know, well, they love to get two or three into the Sweet 16. Isn't this great? The madness is all over the place. It, yeah, and that's get... usually how it plays, right?
2: <laughs> right? Usually, it's like, oh, there's a couple great ones in the first the first weekend, and then by the second weekend, those schools get run yes. off the
1: court, and they are you
2: forget they were even
1: there you got a nine versus a five in a five versus a four in this final four right there add those up that that equals 23 points in 2011 and we were talking about this the highest seeded final four ever and when i say highest seeded i'm talking about in the bad way when you had an 11 seed in an 8 seed and a four seed and a three seed, that added up to twenty six points. Twenty six. Twenty-six points in terms of seeds. But they of had blue bloods that year. They did have blue bloods. Well, they had Kentucky in who and was UConn. a four seed UConn's UConn. Yukon's a blue blood yeah, at this of course. point. I mean they're in there so, in the final four every five yeah. years, it feels like this this adds up to twenty three this year. And where are the blue bloods? You got Yukon. How many
2: I don't expect you to have a number off the top of your head. But as just as a thinking exercise, how many college basketball programs really qualify as a blue blood? I mean, you've got you've got Duke, mm. North Carolina, Kentucky, UConn, yeah. Villanova. I think has to be
1: there at this point. Sure, I, I think I think if we really looked at it, you could probably come up with. Eight, yeah. nine, somewhere and, and, in there.
2: And I, I do think that that's what they want in there more than even a high seed. If they could only have one or the other. If they could have recognizable programs with huge fan bases that have a tradition, that sure. they have multiple titles that are in the Final Four every couple years or every few years, or just the higher seeds. Uh, Kansas is certainly a blue blood. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they because like like just take this year. Do you think they would rather have a... You know, a Duke-North Carolina matchup or Purdue in there. Like, Purdue is a one, but they're gone by the second round every yeah, year. Like right. don't, They don't care about Purdue. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I don't know to answer your question. I really don't. I just know that this is going to be one of the lowest rated Final Fours probably in the history of the tournament. Having said that, it's going to be one of the best to me. Because that we've got guys like Florida Atlantic and San Diego State squaring off. We're going to, one of those two Could teams. Could they win one of the, think about that. One of those teams is going to be in the what national if Florida championship. Florida Atlantic wins the national championship. It's possible, ladies and gentlemen. Are, are you kidding me? It's more than possible. In this tournament, especially, in this tournament right here, it's that, that would, that would somehow be poetic, wouldn't it? (laughs) You just won it so
2: you can say, look, Tennessee lost to the That's right. Tennessee
1: went down in a flaming (laughs) pile to Florida But at least
2: you can say they lost to the national champions, right? I know. Exactly. But
1: again, it's been crazy, and this is what March Madness is all about. But the vast majority of the masses... They don't like it unless there's blue bloods in there.
2: Yeah, I I think where they're going to be okay, first of all, you're right. I mean, (laughs) it's going to take a hit ratings-wise. But where I think it's okay is you don't have Florida Atlantic playing some powerhouse in half of it. Like, both of these games, I I think UConn's going to win. I know they're the heavy favorites. But San Diego State, FAU, either team could win. So it's not one of those, hey, this is really cool. A 13 seed made it to the final four. I guess it never happened. But, hey, an 11 seed made it to the final four, and they're down by 28 at halftime. You know what I mean? I, I think yeah. if these games are good, people are going to tune in. It's oh, just yeah. not going to be
1: as high as usual. Yeah, you know, for me right now, Miami. Miami's got a little something-something about them right now, don't they? They really do. To me, to see what they did, the way they came back, Against Texas in the first half of that game, Miami was done Texas was hitting threes seven threes as a matter of fact and Texas doesn't hit a ton of threes they just don't Texas was playing so well in that first half much deeper as a matter of fact they outscored their bench outscored Miami 21 to two in that first half think about that for a minute right there yeah Texas was on a roll. Miami looked dead in the water. And those guys came back. That, to me, it was incredible. With eight minutes and 30 seconds to go in this game, Texas had a 10-point lead. And the Hurricanes got back in the game without making a single three. It's old school. (laughs) Miami, look out for Miami. To me... I know that's, you know, it's it's not going to be a shocker to anybody, but to me, if they win the national championship, I won't even bat an eyeball.
2: Well, I can tell you Vegas does not agree with you. I'm looking on, on FanDuel at the odds right now, okay? Florida Atlantic is plus 600 to win the title. Okay. Miami's plus 490 to win the title. Okay. And, uh, and San Diego State's plus 360. UConn's. UConn's not just favored to win. You're not even getting even money. They're minus 125 to win the title.
1: Yeah, you know what, though? Honestly, That right makes them right, a heavy favorite. That's a heavy favorite. Yeah, it really is. And it just doesn't seem like it fits this tournament. It, that's, that, that is true. They're the heavy favorites? Okay, look out, man. It, it's on. It doesn't feel like there should be a heavy <laughs> favorite. That's exactly the way I feel.
2: But then again... If you had to pick, wouldn't you take Yukon at this point? I definitely would take
1: UConn. Yeah, you know what, Miami, I just said it. I I think Miami's got a lot of something something running out of the side of their neck that stinks and I like it. <laughs> this is <laughs> they, uh... they they do. They they've got um, some moxie. They've got some resiliency, uh, toughness. That I
2: really love. Well here's Jim Larinaga who's you know, he's had his teams make a run in the past.
4: It's it's the same exhilaration, just the jubilant attitude, the effort, because you just love when your players accomplish a goal they set out before the season. And I'm a great believer in the seven habits of highly effective people. The first habit is be proactive, plan ahead. So always talking to the guys about planning, visualizing, seeing yourself being successful. But habit two is, um, what's habit two? (laughs) No, habit two is begin with the end in mind. And what we said the first day of practice, we got to start visualizing right now what we want to accomplish and then be working toward that every single day. And that's what these guys have done.
1: Yeah, especially, to again? especially yeah, again? Whatever it was. Especially <laughs> Jordan Miller. Oh my goodness. He was fantastic. Did, did so many little things that really helped this team win. So many little things that helped this team come back. His hands were active. He he, he got to the line. He made his free throws. Didn't miss a free throw as a matter. Played great defense. Oh, and he scored twenty seven points. He was on fire. I, I, there's a little something to the Miami Hurricanes that I love right now, and I'd love to see them win it all, and it'd be fitting for this tournament.
2: Well, and even though Coach can't remember the habits, he did take George Mason all the way to the Final Four in 2006. So there's um he's, he's got experience with these uh, deep runs in the tournament when we come back we'll get back to the NBA Charles Barkley aired some criticism of Kevin Durant over the weekend and KD responded on Twitter the Suns past and the Suns present arguing where is this all going that's next it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports the local sports leader